Welcome to We Lead Radio. Your hosts are June Gunter, Beth Hijack, Christine Erickson, and Morgan Reidenauer. This show is a conversation that will focus on reimagining leadership to meet the reality of 21st century business and life in organizations. The conversation is inspired by timeless, natural wisdom for how to lead through uncertainty. Now, here are the hosts of We Lead Radio. Welcome, I'm Morgan Reidenauer, and this is We Lead Radio. I'm back again with my amazing co-host, June Gunter. Good morning. Beth Hijack. Good morning, everyone. And Christine Erickson. Hi, everyone. Today, we're going to be talking about moving beyond us versus them, and specifically the us versus them that has arisen between generations and around the millennial generation. So we'll talk a little bit about how horses handle this and what horses have to teach us about honoring the presence of multiple generations in a herd, recognizing the strengths of each generation. So to get us started, do you guys want to talk a little bit about how horses handle this? You know, I, I, I have to say, the last time we were at Return to Freedom, I was mesmerized by the relationship between one of the stallions, Amante, and his young son, Fuego. <laughs> and it, it, it was really fascinating to watch Fuego take a running start and fling his body into his father as hard as he possibly could. And I thought to myself, you know what? I know a lot of leaders right now who feel exactly like that. <laughs> and um, I think the thing that's important to realize is generations bump up against each other all the time. It's natural to test each other and to try to find the boundaries of what's acceptable and what needs to be changed. And I think when we expect that to not occur is when we get into trouble. Mm. Um, and I have spent a lot of time with nursing leaders who have young aspiring nurses coming behind them and are, are pushing the limits of what their responsibility is because they have more to offer. And they see things differently and maybe more accurately. And I, I often link that to, you know, it's a young mayor's job to nip at a lead mayor's heels. It's her job. That's how they test each other about whether or not they're paying attention and are still fit to lead. Mm. And it's part of the, it's part of the natural order of things. And we have to just respect that and not be surprised by it and welcome it because it's what keeps the whole herd alive. I think that space of preparing for it in organizations, like you said, bumping up because we don't expect it, but we know this happens. <laughs> What's going that to happen? It's now a known is going Why to are you surprised and, by and, it is and, what and baffles it me. Or <laughs> you're not ready. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, I mean, just ask Monte. <laughs> yes, I, I think really integrating that that in as a part of our leadership culture, you know, could ease some of that and open possibilities sooner rather than later. Right. You know, another thing, in addition to what you and 
Christine mentioned, June, is that when I've seen multi-generations in our herd collaborate. Mm-hmm. And so I think there there's this one viewpoint that some of us get stuck in that, that is this, this uh, friction between generation. And uh, what I've noticed is the collaboration I've seen happen between Grace and Galen and even Hope and Grace. So, yeah, absolutely. So Grace is the baby and Galen is 26. So Grace is the youngest, 11, 12, mm-hmm. and Galen is 26. And they collaborate, they eat together and they collaborate about how they go forward and how they're encouraging each other to learn the rules and what keeps the herd safe and vital and thriving. And so that's one relationship I really notice a lot. The other relationship I notice a lot is between Hope, who is, how old is Hope? 17. 17. And she is the lead sentinel and Grace, who would have been the next up and coming sentinel, but now is it being groomed for lead mayor position and grace and hope did not get along at all for the longest time and they have come to find some sort of common ground of okay we're going to move forward together and here's what we can learn from each other so seeing both ends of that spectrum and seeing collaboration and growth and end is very encouraging and i would hope that our organizations would start to look at it from a bigger perspective yeah, I think I think too in that teaching space, teaching earlier, like inviting that learning to set people up to succeed. Yeah, in that conversation, that cross general space. And you know, the other thing I think about with the friction piece, at least in organizations, I would encourage my generation or older, so Gen X and older, it's like it's okay if you don't know. Right. I think that we move through the organization that we're older and more experienced and that you, you can't go to someone that's a millennial or younger. It's like, well, what do you think about this? That we put this, we put ourselves in a box of having to know it all to be the expert. And I think that's a limiting space to exist in and doesn't allow for connection or collaboration. Well, you, you know how I feel about it. It's more fun if I don't know. Um, <laughs> And I think that that's the next level to this conversation is to let go of the fact that knowing is the definition of success. And I do think that's one of the things that all generation, well, say it yeah, all generations, all <laughs> that uh, idea that you should know. So you've entered adulthood, you should know how to be an adult, you should know how to move through business, you should know all of these things. And I think that's something that a lot of people, regardless of their generation, struggle with. And that I do think that can be very distancing because we're not recognizing that a lot of people feel that way. Right. So this... this, Go go ahead. ahead. Well, Morgan, I was going to say, I think you have a really important perspective on this. And, you know, we titled this show based on a conversation that we all had about getting past us versus them. And, and I would love to just hear you speak to what that means for you. Yeah, you know, I think 
one of the things that humans have a tendency to do is create in-groups and out-groups, groups that we're a part of and groups that we're not a part of. And then we have this other tendency to kind of pit our group against other groups. We become protective and defensive and we want to preserve and help build our group. And that means competing with other groups for resources. And that can be a very limiting way to see the world, but it's also understandable how we have that instinct. And I think one of the ways that this us versus them in versus out group has arisen is between generations. We have uh, the older generations who have cemented their in group, their us, and now a newer generation is viewed as outsiders, as the out group, as them. And that can create a lot of tension, a lot of friction, just seeing the world that way. So part of, part of maybe breaking down these walls is recognizing there isn't really an us versus them. There's just an us. And, you know, the horses embody that so well because the minute a real risk appears amongst the herd, regardless of if hope and grace have been at each other all day long, it does not matter. When the stakes get higher, they convene. In the midst of uncertainty, horses do not scatter. They convene. There is no us versus them. It is just us. And the truth is, in that scenario with Grace and Hope, what what Hope was teaching Grace how to do was to stand her ground. And she wouldn't earn her her respect until she did. Um, That's a hard lesson to teach someone, and it requires a lot of conviction. But in no way, shape, or form is it an us versus them. Mm-hmm. So one one more question I want us to get to is what what is the leader's role in moving beyond an us versus them mentality? What do you guys think about that? I think it's a great question because I think it's one of the key requirements of leadership today, which mm-hmm. requires dismantling your own stuff. <laughs> you said that very nicely. I was going to say a, a less than positive word there. I'm like, how do I say this? <laughs> right? You got to deal with your stuff. Um, and, and that's really difficult, um, particularly when you've been leading from an expert space in, and moved into a people space. Um, I think the requirements have always been there, but I think they're changing because society is requiring that because organizations are requiring that to serve the people that are within those organizations. But I think if you don't look at where your own view on the us versus them, whether that's multi-generational or, or any other group, um, then it, it's, it's impossible. And that's going to show up and that's going to influence the culture of any environment. You know, I've been in this situation a lot over the course of my career. And one thing I've learned is that as a leader, you have to know when it is time to put a buffer between groups and to put a boundary of safety so that they each feel safe between them. And then there's a time when it's your job to build bridges, which is to take down the boundaries and remove the buffers and create opportunities for collaboration and the key is you have to know what time it is, which what what strategy you need to be using. Because sometimes people need to know they're okay and they're safe just the way they are. And yeah. sometimes they need to know it's possible for you to be safe together. Right. And 
what it requires of you as a leader in each situation is different and it's about discernment. Absolutely. This has been a great conversation so far and, and I'm excited to hear our guest perspective about all of this and get deeper into this conversation. We are going to head to break, but we will be right back. Remember, you can always tweet us at We Lead Radio to join the conversation. We would love to hear from you. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Teaching horses on the frontier of leadership development. Get out of the office and into the field to learn what horses have to teach us about leading through uncertainty. Teaching Horse is recognized worldwide as a premier provider of executive and leadership development with horses. Work side by side with horses to apply a simple framework for leading through uncertainty. Practice using attention, direction, energy, and congruence to elevate confidence in your leadership. Contact us at teachinghorse.com to meet your executive leadership and team development goals. Are you among the many who believe it is time to reimagine leadership for the 21st century? Are you considering stepping up to a new level of leadership? If so, we have a resource for you. Go to the Amazon Kindle store and order The Choice to Lead by June Gunter and Beth Hijack. In this book, the authors share what horses have taught them about leadership that will prepare you to take confident steps in the direction of your future. Download your copy today, and we look forward to supporting your growth as a leader. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. are tuned in to we lead radio tweet us at we lead radio to share your thoughts or questions or send an email to leadership confidence at teachinghorse.com again that's leadership confidence at teachinghorse.com now back to this week's show welcome back everyone I am excited today to introduce you to Wendy Merrill. Wendy is the founder and chief rainmaker of Strategy Horse Consulting Group. 
Uh, Wendy has built successful business uh, development career by teaching people how to cultivate and leverage relationships and really get a return on investment on their marketing business development and professional development um, resources. Uh, What I know about Wendy is that she is a fellow trailblazer. And uh, as you probably remember from our earlier show, Wendy knows how to eat dirt and pick herself up and do it again and doesn't doesn't mind finding a new path, one that leverages her strengths. And what she's also really committed to is the success of women and minority business leaders. Uh, In fact, she was the proud winner of the 2016 Greater Baltimore Committee Bridging the Gap Award, where uh, that's given to people who foster the success of women and minorities in business. Um, I, I want to welcome you to a fellow traveler as an entrepreneur and as a person dedicated to making a difference to people in all generations. Please join me in welcoming Wendy Merrill. Good morning. So, good morning, dear. Thank you for being with us. Uh, one of the things I've never I also... been prouder to be described as a fellow dirt eater. That's pretty, awesome, pretty powerful <laughs> words from you. Let's get that on the T-shirt. Oh man, I'm totally true. using that on my website. If that's okay. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, so one of the things that I've always enjoyed, uh, and I think uh, Wendy has a, a fresh perspective and understanding on working with millennials. So I'm going to invite Wendy, you know, get us started. What are some of your, what's your perspective on working with millennials and and debunking some of the myths around who they are and what they need to be successful? Well, the first thing I would say is that there's there's a lot of talk about millennials being uh, lazy, having a poor work ethic, uh, you know, being very selfish and self-involved, um, this sort of trophy for everyone generation. Unfortunately, these are views that have been perpetuated and promoted by the media because, you know, it's, uh, it's always fun to poke fingers at people and, uh, and, and make everyone else a scapegoat. But I have to tell you, I know hundreds and hundreds of millennials, both professionally and personally, and it's been my experience, and I'm a Gen Xer, by the way, it's been my experience that pretty much, I would say 99% of the millennials that I know pretty well have an unmatched work ethic. Like, if you give them, if you give them a, a vision, you give them uh, an opportunity to feel like they're part of something bigger than them, and you give them a fairly detailed outline or a roadmap on how to get there and realize their goals, with a lot of support, you, the, the, you can kiss goodbye the 40-hour work week. I mean, they will do whatever it takes. So it's been a real pleasure for me in the last several years to be working with younger people um, as they develop their skills, their leadership skills, and their executive presence um, because there's, there's so much more than I think a lot of the older generations think they are. Um, I will tell you that uh, let me see if I'm going I'm to quiz you guys. I'm going to turn it over to you. No what problem. do you think is the greatest fear that millennials have? Oh, making a difference. Not making a difference. Not making a difference or making a difference? Not, not, ma- not, making, not a difference. making a difference. Okay. You guys all agree? I don't know. Morgan? 
I mean, snakes for the- me, but I mean, <laughs> whatever. I don't speak for the generation. <laughs> oh so my it's been my experience. This has been through my work and interviews and research. Believe it or not, the greatest fear that I have found to be among millennials, and that's, I would say, ages like throughout their 20s and really up until like 38, 39 years old, is the fear of failure. Oh. And it's absolutely paralyzing, paralyzing to people. But the problem is that those that are in charge of supervising these folks and developing them never realize this. And I will just say that it's dangerous to confuse confidence with arrogance. The two are not Mm -hmm. the same. So unless those charged with the development of their younger counterparts really understand this fear and how it can affect you know, their, their team and, and how they look at uh, accomplishing their goals and whether or not they can, you know, are willing to take risk, well, then everything falls down. Wow. You know, I can definitely say for a lot of the people that I work with, I can see how that plays out. Um, and I think the thing that's important for us to consider is the fear of failure is present for every generation. You know what's weird, though? Like, I mean, you're right. Like, no one likes failure, right? No one enjoys it. But I will say that, I don't know, I can only speak for myself. And my, yeah. I was raised by baby boomers. And yeah. my parents, um, you know, my parents and also my, my early bosses, um, there was just, I mean, you kind of knew that failure was going to happen. You, you kind of knew you were going to fall down. You yeah. fully anticipated that you'd fall down you get bruised and bumped and maybe cut a little bit, your wounds would heal, you'd get back up again, and you'd move on. Like, that, yeah. was, just, that was just kind of the way. It was, it was an expectation, actually. No one, no one that I graduated with expected to, to jump out of college and, you know, be hugely successful without paying our dues. And things have changed since then. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and I feel like... You know, again, no one wants to fail. No one wants to, to get burned. But we also understood that the matches burn, and the only way we can re- understand that is if we actually burn our fingers once, once or twice. But I, what I like to liken it to, it's, it's kind of an interesting visual, but um, millennials were raised with technology in ways that we weren't. I mean, many of them had smartphones in their hands just out of, you know, after, after birth basically. And what that did was it gave them constant connectivity uh, and, and constant, um, I guess, communication and never let them feel alone, like with the advent of social media, et cetera. And, you know, if they had to research a project, we used to use the encyclopedia, <laughs> which is dating me, myself, um, or go to the library, but they just, you know, opened up Google and two seconds later, they had everything they needed. Uh, so, the fact that they weren't allowed to build muscle, the fact that they were kept as veal, essentially, to use kind of a gross analogy, um, they were penned up so they couldn't build muscle mass, um, has really put them at a disadvantage. And it's no one's fault. I'm not pointing fingers at anyone, but this is the reality. So as we grow our companies and as we who are in the Gen X and older, you know, it's a necessity. I mean, like it or not, we have to have millennials work for us and because our clients are going to be millennials if they aren't already. We need to recognize the fact that they may not have the muscle strength that we had um, and that we have to invest in helping them to develop that. It's not that they don't want to, it's that they don't know how. Hmm. (laughs) You know, I have um, 
had many conversations with Morgan where she has been baffled at my lack of a fear response when we are in dangerous situations. I was like, I have it. I'm just used to how to deal with it. And I do believe that is a muscle that you build over time. Um, But one of the things that I want to invite you to share with us is, given all this, given that this is true, Wendy, what are some of the ways that you've, or what are some of the strategies that you've seen work in developing rising leaders? The first thing, the most important thing at at the core of everything that I do in working with rising leaders is helping people to recognize, understand, articulate, and convey, and even promote their own individual value proposition. Hmm. I don't know about you ladies, but I, I was not raised to understand, you know, specifically the value that I brought to the table at, you know, in a, at a job or just in life. I had to figure it out. I'm kind of a late bloomer. Um, some people were blessed to be raised um, understanding what they brought to the table in any situation. Um, but for those of us, and, and unfortunately many women, I find that uh, we, you know, we, we may have been raised by traditional families where we came second. And mm-hmm. if that's the case, then it's very easy to fall into you know, being, suffering from imposter syndrome, which a lot of people have, or you know, feeling like they don't deserve kind of to be at the table with everyone else. So you have to start by understanding what I like to call... The, the holy trinity, or to use my horse branding, the triple crown of self-advocacy and self-awareness. And there are three questions that are really basic, really simple, yet we often overlook them and we don't usually take the time to really uh, to ponder them. The first is, what do you care about? The second is, what do you fear? And the third is, what do you want? And if you go through this and you really think through it, those are the, that's, that's how you build the foundation to figuring out what value you contribute to the world. And you have to understand that first before you can figure out how to really develop your skills so that you can reach your goals and be truly impactful. I think that is a, a very wise conversation to have with anyone that you're mentoring. I love the simplicity of those questions. So if it's you funny. We, we, we often like overlook the simple stuff, you know, right. <laughs> we spend a lot of time on the complex stuff and we have to break it down to bare bones, I think, before we can move forward. Well, when you ask these questions of people you're working with, what are some of the reflections that you've heard? Well, I guess common definitely themes of the generation. Sorry. I guess common themes of the generation. Well, I, I work with rising leaders, and I define that from, in terms of ages from anywhere from like maybe 26 to 50, really. So I'm covering millennials and, and Gen Xers. And these are people who are ambitious, uh, and inst- the way they define success is that they are able to be impactful. So, yes, everyone right. wants to make a good living, but the impact of what they do is much more important. And the people that I love working with are people who want to be impactful in the workplace and beyond and in the community, et cetera. So what I find is that when we break it down to the what do I care about, most of the people that I work with really want to build some kind of a a legacy, as much as I sort of dislike that term. 
they, they want to make sh- they want to feel like somehow they're they're having a positive impact. They're empowering others. They're regardless of what they do for a living. I find that this to be a, this is a common theme. Uh, the fear part is there's definitely a common theme among among everyone that I work with because fear I believe fear drives us to do everything that we do, good and bad. So most people are of course fearful of like what you mentioned earlier, not the fear of not knowing something. I love when you talked about, you know, that everyone feels this pressure to be in knowing mode, not learning mode. Mm-hmm. Um, but I found personally and, and, and I, I talk about this a lot with my clients and my mentees, um, that the moment you get to the point where you're comfortable being super curious and asking questions and being okay with the fact that you may not know something, your relationship not only with yourself but everybody around you significantly changes. I couldn't have said it better myself, my friend. Wow, what a powerful thing. What a powerful note to end on before we go to break. When we come back from break, we'll we'll be talking about what creates healthy intergenerational relationships. We'll see you in just a couple minutes. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Teaching horses on the frontier of leadership development. Get out of the office and into the field to learn what horses have to teach us about leading through uncertainty. Teaching Horse is recognized worldwide as a premier provider of executive and leadership development with horses. Work side by side with horses to apply a simple framework for leading through uncertainty. Practice using attention, direction, energy, and congruence to elevate confidence in your leadership. Contact us at teachinghorse.com to meet your executive leadership and team development goals. Are you among the many who believe it is time to reimagine leadership for the 21st century? Are you considering stepping up to a new level of leadership? If so, we have a resource for you. Go to the Amazon Kindle store and order The Choice to Lead by June Gunter and Beth Hijack. In this book, the authors share what horses have taught them about leadership that will prepare you to take confident steps in the direction of your future. Download your copy today, and we look forward to supporting your growth as a leader. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. You are tuned in to We Lead Radio. Tweet us at We Lead Radio to share your thoughts or questions, or send an email to leadershipconfidence at teachinghorse.com. Again, that's leadershipconfidence at teachinghorse.com. Now, back to this week's show. 
Welcome back, everyone. We have been having an amazing conversation with our guest today, Wendy Merrill. And we've been talking about uh, that the us versus them, the multi-generationals. How do we build bridges between the generations and collaborate together? And uh, fascinating and great conversation so far. And Wendy, I would love for you to share uh, your perspective on what enables development of healthy intergenerational relationships? Well, I'd say it, it all comes down to motivation, understanding mm. our own motivation first and those around mm. us. So that would include colleagues, anyone reporting to you, those that you report to, uh, clients, um, community, peers, referral sources, etc. We have to know our audience. Um, and... I think that that's a big problem with a lot of the finger pointing that goes on is, you know, we, we try to impose, and this is just human nature, where we try to impose our own values, our, our own fears, et cetera, on other people. And that's just, it just doesn't work. So mm-hmm. like you mentioned about, um, about your, you know, earlier you were talking about how in, 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 uh, in the face of danger, horses don't scatter, they convene. Right. And correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm, far from the horse expert that you guys are, but I'm kind of fig- figuring out that, like, the, the horses, if they know there's danger, they also know that they don't have a choice but to come together because that's the safest position to be in. Yeah. And so they're able they they to so that's their motivation. Their motivation what? is safety, and that never changes. So they're going to do the thing that keeps them safe. Right. So they're able to put, and they understand that coming together, even if maybe they don't like each other, <laughs> is going to put everybody in a safer position. That's correct. So, so if, if, you know, bringing the generations together, I think that those that are, that are let's say, in the baby boomer generation um, really need to understand the motivation of those that are younger than them and also the fears, like I talked about earlier, the fear of failure. If they don't, if they don't try to understand that, they're never going to be able to manage them well. But on the flip side, there's, there's a lot of expectation um, you read articles about this, it's like, oh, you know, what do you need to know about millennials and how to manage millennials? And everything is about that. But I really feel that, that those in the younger generations need to also be able to self-advocate. There's not enough talk about that. Because we right. can't expect that one generation, you know, constantly, um, I'd say like kowtows or for lack of a better term, um, you know, uh, caters to other generations. We have mm-hmm. to meet in the middle. So it's, it's absolutely essential that younger professionals understand the need to develop their own level of confidence, understand the fears that, that, uh, that challenge the older generations in terms of fear of change, doing things differently, you know, being, being outed as someone who doesn't know everything, um, so that the two can come together and say, just like at the herd of horses, you know what, if our company needs to be in a certain position, we need to come together for, to, to unite us in one goal, whether it's, it be growth or protection or what have you, what do we need to, to understand about ourselves and how can we come together? Um, how can we put our differences aside? How can we be a little bit more self-aware and aware of our, of our you know, colleagues' motivation and, and try to figure out a way to work together? It sounds, it, it's so much easier said than done. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, that's why empathy is such a fundamental skill for our time. Yeah. Well, well it, it also makes me think about why we see our differences as roadblocks instead of resources, 
right? I love that question. Love it. Yeah, because the other thing, the thing that I wanted to ask you, Wendy, is like, I think that millennials have turned into this this catch-all, right? Millennials, 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 right? And so when you said, when you asked us what was the fear uh, for millennials, I'm curious, like, what is the fear? How do we know as as Gen X's, baby boomers, and all the ones that I'm forgetting right now, I think it's the, the broader conversation is, do those generations know what their own fears are and are they being so uh, transparent about it? I'd love to hear you speak to that if you have anything around that. Well, I, I feel like, and this may be offensive to some people, but I feel like many of our older counterparts, are, let's call them more seasoned counterparts, Right. Um, it, it comes down to insecurity because everybody has insecurities. I mean, we all do. Sure. We just, you know, they just manifest themselves differently. Um, but some of us are more in tune to those things than others. And I feel that the more seasoned folks, like you said earlier, put a lot of pressure on themselves to know everything. Mm-hmm. And when someone who's younger, more vibrant, you know, more cooler, because <laughs> right. you know, cool is always a factor. Um, sort of threatens their position in the herd, for example, uh, threatens their power or their, or their interpretation of, what, of the power they, they may have, mm-hmm. then things get scary and dicey. Yeah. And we see that a lot, unfortunately, in, in world events and current events and politics and stuff like that, where if you have someone come in, regardless of their generation, if they think differently, if they're innovative right. and disruptive, well, that threatens the status quo, doesn't it? Right. And when the status quo is threatened, then people go into like battle mode right. because they would rather protect what they've done for a million years, even if it's completely not functional, <laughs> than risk, like I said, being outed as someone who may not be an expert on all things. Right. You know, the status quo was a powerful force. Well, the status quo is an illusion. It's kind of like certainty. Status quo and certainty are not ever constant, right? So it's very interesting. Um, well, it's also, it's would, all subjective, right? It's how. Yeah. I mean, right. it's, absolutely. It's, it's again, we're we are all we are all similar to horses in that. I mean, horses are prey animals, correct? Right. So yeah. They have to be in constant. They always have to be very aware of their surroundings and protect themselves. And we, even though, you know, we tend to be, I guess, at the top of the food chain, or so we think, right. I think in so many ways, we are prey animals because we prey sure. on each other and we're all aware of that. So we have to put on this, you know, this protective coating, so to speak. Um, but it, it just ends up being like a really thin patina that you can scratch through and get to the humanity right underneath it. It's just people are terrified of that. And you know what's amazing, Wendy, is that horses, they are prey animals, but they balance this, and this is something we can learn from them, being aware and present to what's shifting in their surroundings, that they may mm. need to shift up into a higher gear. But then they, they horses lay down and nap, right? Right on the open. They enjoy the sunshine. They're not on guard 24-7. And I think that we move into, humans move into the space a lot of time to be in that place. 
And I wonder how we could expand that in our organizations. It's like, yeah, things are different. And how can you enjoy and learn from everyone? Just my two cents. You know, I think the real roadblock that creates the us versus them mentality is this conversation that a lot of people have. I just don't think a lot of people live, and it is um, the difference between abundance and scarcity. Um, that's what's at the root of us versus them. And I think we have to get to the point where we can start to challenge some of those notions that says that that lead us to believe there's not enough for everyone. Um, because I believe the problems we face in the world today, there's more than enough work for all of us to make a difference. I think that accompanied with being seen and heard in general, I think this us versus them, we have groups, right, within the groups, the mm -hmm. us versus them that, you know, have not been part of that status quo that you mentioned. And so I'm curious how you bring that into the conversation in leadership development so that people have that, that opportunity, you know, within the generations. So, Wendy, what about a call to action for leaders who are really committed to developing the next generation of leaders? What, what thought would you leave us with? It's pretty simple. I would say pe people often ask me, well, how do I know what is motivating this person? How do I know, you know what incentives to use or, or what, what they're thinking or what they want? And I said, well, why don't you just ask them? <laughs> I love you so, so much. So few people are, are direct. I'm like, sit down with your rising leaders. I said, first of all, you've got to make sure that they feel safe and secure and not threatened, that they know that they, and that they feel like they can trust you so that whatever feedback or information they give you is not going to be used against them, which, of course, is tricky, and that's a, that's a conversation for another day. Um, but once that's established, you have to sit down and say, what do you want? And how can I help you to get there? Hmm. Because so many leaders, so many, so many, I say business leaders are so focused on, you know, what the company needs and hiring people to fit a certain mold to get the company moved forward, which of course is important, but they need to also understand as managers, they need to understand that their job is also to figure out what, what their people care about. And it's their job to help them get there and facilitate their success. I mean, Truthfully, I, the, the message that I have for people is that growing the next generation of leaders is your job. It's not part of your job. It is your job. And, take care. and unless, the, unless people really see that, they're not going to stop and have the conversation you just described. It's true. But I've found that people say that they care, but sadly I have found in so many, so many companies that they really don't care that the current leadership does not care about legacy or they're retired in place or they've got one foot out the door and they may pay lip service to developing their future leaders, meaning like throwing some sort of off-the-shelf training at them. But when it doesn't work, not surprisingly so, because they, they're not really invested in it, um, they don't really care. They're kind of done. And yeah. that's a big problem. It is. 
and I think that all goes that takes us straight back to that um, that scarcity mentality. So this has been a powerful conversation. I can't thank you enough for both the simplicity and the profoundness of what you have brought to us, Wendy. Always a pleasure. And how could two companies, Strategy Horse and Teaching Horse, not find a way to work together? <laughs> Amen. Thank you Amen. so much for having me. It's been such a pleasure. Thanks. And we'll be right back after the break. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Teaching horses on the frontier of leadership development. Get out of the office and into the field to learn what horses have to teach us about leading through uncertainty. Teaching Horse is recognized worldwide as a premier provider of executive and leadership development with horses. Work side by side with horses to apply a simple framework for leading through uncertainty. Practice using attention, direction, energy, and congruence to elevate confidence in your leadership. Contact us at teachinghorse.com to meet your executive leadership and team development goals. Are you among the many who believe it is time to reimagine leadership for the 21st century? Are you considering stepping up to a new level of leadership? If so, we have a resource for you. Go to the Amazon Kindle store and order The Choice to Lead by June Gunter and Beth Hijack. In this book, the authors share what horses have taught them about leadership that will prepare you to take confident steps in the direction of your future. Download your copy today, and we look forward to supporting your growth as a leader. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are tuned in to We Lead Radio. Tweet us at We Lead Radio to share your thoughts or questions, or send an email to leadershipconfidence at teachinghorse.com. Again, that's leadershipconfidence at teachinghorse.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back, everybody. We have been talking today about the intergenerational space of leadership and leadership development. Um, now I'm going to come back to our co-hosts. We're going to have a conversation and add some depth to this perspective of what we've already been talking to. And I look forward to hear from you all. Who would like to start? I would love to jump in really quick with a little bit of a disclaimer, I think. Because, <laughs> <laughs> um, so many disclaimers, really. But, but one thing I really do want to mention, just so that we have that out there is that we are not citing a lot of research or statistics today. We're just really in conversation. And I think this is one of many, many conversations 
that can help us move forward and bridge the gap that is, to me at least, somewhat apparent on many fronts between the generations. Um, and when we do cite research, again, that's that's just statistics, it's big numbers. We're not talking about individuals, we're talking about broader trends. So when you're dealing with a millennial, such as myself, please do remember that we are individuals and not statistics. And as Wendy said, just, just ask, have those conversations, keep staying in conversations. And again, these, these are important opinions. I absolutely value all of the opinions that are being shared, but they are opinions and not research. I think that's a valid point. I mean, this is one of the things that I have enjoyed about our conversations is that what I find to be true is if you ask people what they think, they'll tell you if they believe you're really curious and um, that the relationship between you and them matters to you. Yeah. And if, and as she mentioned, if they feel safe, right. I think that's a very important yeah. aspect because with anyone, if, if they, if there's a power differential, then the first instinct is to appease, right? It's to make sure that you're not getting in trouble to make sure that you're staying safe. So you, you might run into a situation where someone is naturally incentivized to try and tell you what you want to hear, to try mm. and keep themselves safe in this power differential. So I think addressing or to an extent removing that power difference in these conversations can really help free people up to speak honestly and openly. Yes, exactly. I think an, an intentional shift in leadership development to develop the existing leaders to create that space and those cultural environments, and then a shift to opening leadership development to younger generations to bridge that again sooner than later. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I wish we'd had time to talk to some Gen Z individuals on this show. And I know we just didn't, but oh, yeah. I would love to start bringing in those conversations and, mm -hmm. and thinking about, you know, look even, even further forward. And there's so much you can learn about yourself in addition to other people as you interact with different generations. I think that really is the point of the conversation is that we don't really understand ourselves until we're in relationship with others. Hmm. And the key is to value the other no matter who the other is. Mm -hmm. And to understand that there is, even, the, even though you, it is important to understand who the self is. It is important to understand who the other is. And the truth is, when you get right down to it, we're all one. I know nobody wants to hear that, but it's true. You know, one of the things I, I love about millennials is that, at least in my perspective, is that, is that they have a, a really strong identity of who they are, the ones that I know. Um, and I think that in older generations, say baby boomers, especially with women, um, in organizations, they had to um, assimilate in a way that who they are were, was not. They adapted to be in that male environment. And um, that's one of the great takeaways I get from the millennial generation is to you be you, right? You be you. 
I don't think assimilation is natural. Their uh, their um, it's not who they are to assimilate, right? And I think that's one of the things that they buck up against mm-hmm. in going into an organization. I would like organizations to follow in the great words of Lena Waith, who said, the things that make us different, those are our superpowers. Those are our strengths. And that's what we should be embracing and celebrating in each other. Hmm. Absolutely. I think from a leadership development and organizational development perspective, I see layers of concepts, you know, that we are one or one organization or uh, authentic leadership. And I think the different generations live those layers differently. I, I see millennials and Gen Z being that. It's not a concept to them. It's not a leadership development container that they need to practice. They are being that. And so how can we learn from them because they are actually living it while we are in the concept of some of these things? Mm -hmm. It's really true. Yeah. Oh, what a good show to end on. And this is our last episode of this season so there may be a gap between um this show and any future shows that we do so june will you tell them where to go to look for updates so uh for all of our listeners we can't thank you enough for being on this journey with us we want to also shout out to voice america for everything they've done to help this uh podcast come to life and uh Thank you, Aaron, who has been our trusty tech person for the Woo. entire time. Woo. What a fabulous guy. Yes, thank you so much, Aaron. And thanks to Robert Cellino for everything he did to make this show possible. Um, we want to let you know that we are going to take a break. And please uh, stay tuned to our website. Uh, the podcast will be available on, on our website, easily accessible there, and also always through voiceamerica.com. Um, our website is teachinghorse.com. Yes, and our web thank you. And our website is teachinghorse.com. Thank you. You can also tweet us at We Lead Radio and you can read you can email us at leadershipconfidence at teachinghorse.com. Uh, and there's another special thank you we want to make, which is to Paula Berardinelli, which has been the host of this radio show because she has high speed internet and is our <laughs> dear friend. Um Yes, yeah, so shout out to Paula Berardinelli and all of our friends who helped make this possible and have really been supportive of us along the way. Um, again, please remember, stay in touch with Wendy Merrill at strategyhorse.com is her website. And uh, stay tuned because I know she has a book coming out soon. And uh, we look forward to seeing you down the road. And remember, it's okay to eat dirt and find your herd. <laughs> Bye, everybody. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to We Lead Radio. Be sure to join your hosts, June Gunter, Beth Hijack, Christine Erickson, and Morgan Reidenauer next Monday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, which is 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And we'll see you on this same path next week.